So, have you ever been there? I want to believe, but. I want to believe, but I'm not feeling it. You walk, look around, maybe in a service like this, and it seems like there are other folks that are feeling it. Maybe they're faking it, but they look like they're feeling it, and you are not. What do you do with that? Uh, who do you blame? You blame the music that was picked. You blame something like that, that if there just had been the right music, then maybe I would be feeling it. Or maybe you look inside and say, wow, there, there must be something wrong with me because uh, I'm just not feeling it. The person sitting next to me feels it. The person that invited me feels it. Um, but I'm just, it, just, it just doesn't register with me. What, what, is, what is going on? I, I want to believe, but it just doesn't grab my heart or even, even touch my heart. And uh, you may be an unconvinced person, and this is just kind of keeping you in the unconvinced area. Uh, then there are those of us who are Christ followers who have said yes to Christ. And we go week by week by week in expecting to feel something in a service, feel something when it comes to our faith, feel something when we read a passage, when we listen to something, a uh, song, a podcast, whatever, uh, hear a story about faith, and it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't uh, register with us. So what are we supposed to do? Uh, is that is that common? Is that some what 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 is that? I I want to believe, but I'm just not not feeling it. You know, you're not alone with those kinds of thoughts if that's where you're at. I'll have to admit, I don't feel it every single time. Uh, there are times where a couple months go by where I'm not really feeling it. I I, I know it, but I'm not feeling it. And uh, King David was a person that experienced that. And King David is called someone after God's own heart. And for those of us familiar with David from the Old Testament, uh, you know, he definitely had his problems. He definitely did some horrible things, some sinful things, some wrong things, uh, cost a, a man his life, and on and on and on and on. But uh, he was a man after God's own heart. And yet he seems to have these seasons in life where he doesn't feel it. There's actually some books that are written that uh, talk about uh, seasons of the dark soul, dark soul night. Uh, encourage you to check out uh, the resource center, the library, or maybe go to uh, media, right now media, and check some of those places out because they're fine articles, fine videos on this. But this idea of just not feeling it. Uh, and we see this uh, uh, with David. David writes, Doubled up with pain. I call to God all day long. No answer. He might say, I'm not feeling anything. Nothing. I keep at it all night, tossing and turning. Are you? Are you indifferent? We know you were there for our parents. They cried for your help, and you gave it to them. They trusted and lived a good life. And here I am, nothing, an earthworm. Something to step on, to squash. David's saying, you know, he saw God show up. He saw his parents feeling it, but he's not. Maybe you're in that place. Maybe you come from a, a long heritage of people that have uh, followed Christ, 
and now you're one of those generations that are not feeling it. Maybe you have siblings. Maybe it's a old generation with cousins that just they're just kind of just gone flat. In the last generation, it was a big deal. They seem to be feeling it. When I think about the idea of being a worm, I think of uh, just being very depressed and very sad. And I remember this song. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if my dad used to sing it to us as a nighttime song or whatever, but it goes something like this. A song you might sing on a, on a gray day, on a sad day. Nobody likes me. the idea very sad how many of you know that song some of you do okay first verse it just goes on and on and on you're going to want to get that for your ipad or whatever so you can listen to it all the time when you're feeling low but this idea of just feeling so terrible that the only thing you're going to do is go out eating worms and basically nobody cares that you're eating worms so that is the lowest of lowest and uh you and i can feel that when we trying to feel God, and it just isn't happening. Uh, this isn't just, uh, you know, for us today. Uh, you can go back, and you remember John the baptizer. That was uh, Jesus' cousin, and uh, he had gone and prepared the way for Jesus and had been very successful. Crowds were coming to hear him out in the wilderness, and he was a, kind of like an odd guy, dressed a little weird for the day, ate grasshoppers, not worms were said, but... Uh, and, uh, you know, he's thinking Jesus is the Messiah, and uh, all of a sudden he stands up for what's right and finds himself in jail and is wondering about this, and we see this. He says, when John was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, that's Jesus, that's his cousin, he sent his disciples, that's John's disciples, the ones that were following him, to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else so we think of john the baptizer preparing the way all in he's in jail now because of this there's this moment where he's like where is god i'm not feeling him i mean jesus my cousin's doing all these miracles all over town all over the region you'd think he would at least come by and do like a jailbreak can you just imagine, you know, love, love those cowboy movies, you know, where they kind of like ride up and put the 
rope around or a chain around the bars and kind of pull them out and break the guy out. You think you think Jesus would have done that for John the Baptist, you know, and the little fist bump off the way as they ride off into the dust. You know, it didn't happen. John the Baptist is stuck in prison for sticking up for right, for preparing the way for Jesus, and eventually John the Baptist loses his life. And there's a guy who's going, I believe, but are you really the guy? I need peace in my life. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Something's going on, and I, I'm just really bothered by it. Another psalm says this, I'm standing my ground, God, shouting for help at my prayers every morning, on my knees each daybreak. Why, God, do you turn a deaf ear? Why do you make yourself scarce? So not only is uh, he praying, 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 he's not even getting a no answer. He'd rather get an answer that says no, but he's getting nothing. He's feeling nothing, and he's crying out to God, and he's just stuck. So when you and I think of God's presence, and we think of it missing from our life, what's this even supposed to feel like? Uh, Sometimes God's presence can give you like a tingly feeling. Uh, Sometimes when we sing songs together, I I get like little chills down my neck, and I'm going, wow, God really spoke to me in that service. It it feels like something, and then then it might go a week or two or longer, and I don't get that. I go, "That, that must have been God's presence. But I have to be honest with you, you know, I can be at a, uh, you know, watching a New England Patriots game, and in the good old days, watch Tom Brady, you know, when he runs out in the beginning and breaks through the paper and all that kind of stuff. I think that's not really paper. I think that's like steel-plated stuff that he breaks through. But all the other teams use paper. And, uh, you know, it breaks through, and I, I get I get tingly feel, feelings. woo here it goes, you know. What, what's that? Is that, what's that? You know, you, you get a, uh, you know, national anthem or whatever, and, uh, you know, I've been, I've been waiting for Top Gun 2 to come out for like two, three years, and when I see, you know, that where is he? And he comes up flying in that ad, and they go, you know, I go, wow, and I get chills down my spine, you know. That, what, what is that? That's not worship. So, you know, sometimes we tie God's presence to tingly feelings. Uh, what is your tingly feeling? What is that? You might write that in there, and is that really God's presence? Uh, sometimes it's uh, something that makes you cry. You feel, you feel uh, just your heart is captivated. Uh, some of us who are parents watching that little feet in the beginning in that little video, you know, start to think about those things, and maybe it creates a little tear in our eye, you know, and uh, is that God's presence? What makes you cry? Some of you cry because your wife makes you watch a Hallmark movie that has nothing to do with it, but your wife is crying. When we watched, uh, the first time I shared my excitement of sharing the first remake of Star Trek with the girls, you remember that movie, some of you, and in the beginning, Jim Kirk's uh, dad dies saving everybody, and, and it starts just 
just starts with that. And all of a sudden, all three girls are like, what are you doing? What are they starting to cry? This is terrible. They were very sad that this dad, he didn't even get to see his baby. She's giving birth, you know, on this little shuttlecraft escaping. And, and they're crying. At father. So, so what makes you cry? Is that God's presence? Or is it something that uh, just makes you feel peaceful? Sometimes watching the sunset or the sunrise, and they're beautiful around here. There's just a peace. Some of you long for a quiet, soaking hot tub kind of experience. Uh, there's no kids around or no one calling you or whatever, and you're just kind of in there and you're in the zone. And ah, is that is that God's presence? What what are we looking for when we're talking about God's presence you know we we're looking for that we i want to believe but i'm just not feeling it the reality is even if you don't always feel god's presence you're not alone talk a lot about this when we're moving through christmas and the silent years and god seems to have done nothing for about four or five hundred years and then jesus arrives on the scene but there's the silent years if we actually look to the history of God working in dramatic, miraculous ways, we're going to find that over the thousands of years, there's been more silent years, more quiet years than wow, wow, wow years. They're, they're not parting the Red Sea every other week. That's like, wow, they're not, there's not the deliverance, there's not these things happening. And, uh, you know, we wonder where God's presence is. Well, you're not alone. Even Jesus says he's dying on the cross, says these words. He cries out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you left me alone? Theologians think this is probably the first time and last time that Jesus is separated from the Trinity because of the sin he's carrying of our sin of the ages everyone's sin he's dying for our sin taking the penalty of our sinfulness our disobedience our selfishness upon him and god the father sin is so uh, just he just can't look at it he turns away and uh he's alone and it just it just affects him so difficult so why do we always feel, why don't we always feel God's presence? Why, why are there these moments, lots of moments, uh, that we feel separated from him? Uh, one thing I first want to say, and it's one of my favorite quotes, I read it probably every week because it just renews my soul, renews my heart, and uh, I hope it resonates with you to some degree is this A.W. Tozer quote. It says, an infant God can give all of himself to each of his children. He does not distribute himself that each may have a part, but to each one he gives all of himself as fully as if there were no others. When I looked at my life, when I was, you know, when we had the three girls at home and I tried to do a, a date with one daughter a week and we would since it's four weeks, that gave me a little room in there, right? So if I missed a week, there was still four weeks I could catch up. Uh, but I had to, in a sense, divide myself up over the three kids. And so they couldn't, I, I was giving a part. They weren't getting all of me. 
In all of our relationships, you know, we're giving a part of ourselves to someone. And, uh, you know, we need to ask ourselves, what parts were we giving where and those kinds of things. But we, we, we only have so many hours. We only have so much of ourselves. But what's wonderful with God is he can give all of himself to us like there is no other. That's why sometimes when you and I are talking to someone else and, and they're talking about their relationship with God and how he works in their lives, it's a little bit different than he's working in our lives. I mean, not completely different. There's a kind of like a big boundary playground, but, but he works a little different because he works differently with each one of us, what we need, how we need it, and all of that. And so it's not like he's like up in heaven going, oh, I spent 10 minutes with Dave yesterday morning. I better put him on hold for two weeks because this guy, you know, he, he doesn't have to do that. He can give all of himself at the same time to each one of us. So when it comes back to why don't we always feel God, it's not because he's limited in connecting with us. It's, it's that, that's not the, the thing that's, that's going on. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this after I uh, printed the, uh, had the uh, um, message guys printed, I thought, you know, in somewhere in here, maybe a, a better question would be not why don't I feel his presence or, or a better question would be, you know, what about experiencing him? Maybe the question isn't why don't I feel his presence, but why don't I experience him or how do I experience him? And that made me think of one of my favorite little commercial videos. I showed it in October, but I was going to put a little different spin on it this time. So bear with me, but uh, you may remember this. Don't tell mom. 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 Yeah. The best stories you'll ever tell start with don't tell. Don't tell dad. Start yours in the new center. Now, first of all, there could be a whole message on that. I don't think there should be don't tell mom or dad kinds of thing. If you're raising kids, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, but the whole idea there is that, uh, you know, these kids are getting experiences with their parents. And we see the first experiences with dad, and they don't go so well. That's, that could be another issue, making dad look like a goofball and mom not like a goofball, but that's something else. But uh, just the idea of experience, of spending time with the person. So when we think about presence and we think about those ideas and we think about our relationship with God, it's really about having experiences with him, having experiences that he's um, just flavoring, he's touching, he's all over. And often I find that there are experiences in my life that he is the one that has the author of them and he's the one that's controlling them. He's the one that's using them to grow me. And uh, he's got this experience happening, uh, everything from a sunset. That, that's an experience last night or Friday night, especially the, uh, the West. Uh, it was just spectacular, the, the pink and the bright colors. It was just it was spectacular. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily feeling God's presence in that moment, but I was experiencing who he is and what he does. And I was like amazed by that. So, so again, this idea of presence, a feeling, and, and I don't want to too much take away from feelings. We do have feelings. Feelings mean something. Uh, feelings uh, are like a warning signal on our dashboard. We've talked about that before. So I'm not saying ignore your feelings, pretend they don't exist. But don't, but don't base your life on your feelings. 
these experiences that God creates reminds us that he is present, that he is aware. And, uh, you know, just, just understanding that idea. So as we start to, start to think about this and we start to think about, again, how and, and what things are supposed to happen and why don't we necessarily feel his presence, uh, some of it is this uh, idea that we over-centralize his presence, God's presence. We, we, we give it too much weight. We need to have this, this feeling. We're looking for this, 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 this wow moment. We're looking for this emotional experience, and, and we just need to watch out for that. In Jesus' day, uh, it wasn't necessarily an emotional experience, but the people were looking for some kind of miracle, and they always were like tagging along with Jesus because they wanted some kind of miracle. In John chapter 6, you see them feeding him, or Jesus feeding them, and they're really following Jesus around because he feeds them, and he's getting free meals, and that sounds really good. And, and Jesus says this, he says, So they asked Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? It was like a theme, and, and Jesus is like, you know, you're just not getting it. I could give you a zillion, million signs, and uh, it's, it's really not having traction in your life, so we're not going to go down that road. And sometimes you and I, when it comes to sensing God's presence, whether it's a tingly feeling, whatever it is, a tear in our eye, and again, nothing to take away from that, uh, we're, we're, we're oversensitizing it. We're just making it bigger than it ought to be and relying too much on it. And uh, Jesus is not saying, I'm going to give you all these, like, these feelings. So sometimes you and I have got to come to terms with the fact that we're not going to have these overwhelming feelings of his presence. We will experience him as we slow down and see him in our lives. And some of you might say who are, you know, not totally convinced, you might say, oh, well, that's just kind of a crutch. You're looking for him in a place where he really isn't there. And then you feel that he's there. So then you feel good about him. I'm really not trying to do that. I, I just see God's design, let's say, on creation. So on one hand, I could say, wow, I, I am experiencing God every day. Every day I take a breath of air and my body works and what happens, all those processes. That, that's, just, that's just amazing. I'm experiencing God every moment of the day. He's the sustainer of this creation. So, you know, this idea of having these goosebumps all the time and, and all that kind of thing, if I'm relying my faith and my worship all on those kinds of things, uh, I'm just going to find that that, that, doesn't, that doesn't carry me. We need to realize that feelings aren't the only evidence of the presence of God. Feelings aren't the only evidence of the presence of God. And sometimes I think you and I uh, end up worshiping the feelings more than worshiping God or being more caught up with the feelings than caught up with God. And God, rightfully so, uh, withholds some of that feeling of presence. He's saying, you know... You're, you're worshiping the feeling, not worshiping me. You're, you're captivated by the goosebumps you got. Uh, you're not captivated by me. It's the same thing we see in our world, and not to pick on anyone, but we see in our world people look at the, the environment and they look at creation, and rather than seeing God behind creation, they, they worship creation rather than the creator. And sometimes we talk about this often because it's something I have to watch out. I can end up worshiping the gifts God gives me rather than the gift giver. And that's one of those tensions you and I live in. We, we have something nice happen in our lives, and we have something we want, and God gives it to us. And we really say God provided it for us. Then we start to really hold on to it too tight. 
And now all of a sudden, the object of our affection is the thing he gave us, the, the thing he did in our life, the relationships we have, whatever it is. And we are holding on that tight, forgetting that he is the one that produced it. He made it. He made it happen. So we've got to watch out for this feeling. Uh, there's a book called Experiencing God, and I really like it. It's been a few years since I've read it, um, but it's just uh, by um, Henry Blackaby. I encourage you to, to check it out sometime, and these will be listed uh, on our Facebook page sometime in the next hour, so you don't have to go frantically writing these all down. They'll be there. You can copy and paste. But number four, to me, really speaks to me, and because there's some times where I go, am I experiencing God? And I come back to number four, and it says God speaks, or we could say we experience God by his Holy Spirit through the Bible. Anytime, anytime a verse of Scripture touches our heart, or touches our intellect, or we say, wow, I need to think about that a little bit. That is God. We're experiencing God. Uh, so we do that through prayer. Our circumstances. Sometimes we see how our circumstances are coming together, and that is the hand of God. I've talked to you about this before, but, you know, we had looked for a year and a half for a place that would have an apartment so our parents could come, my parents could come and live with us. And we had gone to the place where we had gotten the new zoning permits to add onto our current house. And uh, one Friday, I just happened to see on Zillow this house. Uh, we went down on that Friday night to see it. And I said, well, we got to make a decision by Sunday. We've been waiting, and this seems like it's the right one. I was scared to death, had more land than I have ever had. I had mowing responsibilities, as I've talked to you about. Anyway, all this kind of stuff. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, now I'm vacillating back and forth. And, and at the same time, if, if somebody had been giving me advice, I'd say, wow, you've waited 15 months. You haven't jumped the gun. And this place looks like the place. Go for it. Well, now that it was me, I was like getting, you know, a little scared about doing this kind of thing. And, uh, but just looking at how that all came together. And here we are. And uh, it's all coming together and all of those kinds of things. And uh, so, so this idea of circumstances, uh, you see these circumstances happen, and, and it's God. And uh, also, uh, as he reveals himself in the church, you know, things that happen in church. I think I told you a few weeks ago, uh, it was my turn to take a stab at, uh, at speaking uh, to, at Awana. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's a, that's a burden. I hate to say it, but it's so terrible. You're like, oh, I got to do Awana, what I got to come up with. You know, I got to do something a little silly. And, but and you go, that seems to be so natural to you. They go, well, no, it really isn't natural to me. I, I have to work at being silly sometimes. But uh, anyway, so, you know, it's, it, but then that morning in my personal devotion, I, the, the verse that's the Awana theme verse was my verse to read that morning. And I was like, wait a minute. I noticed that. And I said, wow. God, you're just reminding me that this Thursday night is important and you shouldn't just kind of throw it together. You actually need to take some responsibility. What you're doing is important. So, again, how he reveals himself and his purposes and his ways. So, better question, why am I not feeling the presence of God? How would you define that? might be better to say, how am I experiencing God? And in any time, again, you're experiencing him all over the place. Another reason sometimes we, we have questions about this is very simply is we're just distracted. We have so many things going on, so many good things going on. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, it's just picking that we got 10 good things that we can be involved with. 
but we only have room for like six good things in our life, and we need to say no to something. We can't do it all, and uh, we're distracted by that. And uh, you may recall the story of uh, Martha and Mary, and they were over for dinner. Jesus was over dinner, and the Lord asked her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? She was cooking in the kitchen, and Mary's uh, meeting with Jesus. Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Some of the reason you and I may not be experiencing God the way we think we ought to or, or being aware of his presence the way is because we're just too distracted. We have too many things on our plate. I think past last summer we spoke on margin, and some of my dear deacon friends slapped me on the hand, they said, because when you spoke about margin, people stopped doing things at church. You know, it was like, oh, I don't need to do this, I don't need to do that. Wrong idea, so please don't walk away with that idea. You need to look at the things that you need to be doing, what God's leading you to do. There might be something at church you may need to pull back, but... You know, if there's, there's ten things, six of them shouldn't be your investment in church, I would think. That's just my thinking. So asking ourselves, what are we distracted by? What things own us rather than us owning them? And when our plate is full, uh, when that's at the top, no wonder we're not aware of God's presence. No wonder we're not experiencing God because we, he gets lost in all the noise. Something we love about God and then we don't love about God is he doesn't push himself on us. He doesn't push himself on us. And sometimes we like the fact that he doesn't. He gives us free choice. But in that, sometimes we can pack our life so loud that we don't hear him. We don't have time for him. I told you about the time I had that Dodge Dart. I hated that Dodge Dart. We had it at like 16 years old. And all the foam around the windows had uh, rubber had like dried up. So when you drove, it whistled, you know. So what would I do? I would just turn the radio up as loud as I could so I didn't hear the whistling. So it was like it didn't whistle because I turned the volume of that up. Some of you and I have the whistling of God in our life. But we turn the volume of life up louder and louder till we don't hear him. He's not going to push himself on us. Distracted. Part of this is it could be because your heart is hardened. And uh, that may seem, you know, kind of outrageous for me to say that to you. That's, you know, that's, that's a strong statement. But maybe you've got some calluses on your heart. So you don't hear him. Some of us, not me, have calluses on our hands. You can pick things up, and it doesn't bother. My hands, i I got to be careful because I can get gashes in them real easy because I don't have the calluses. Typing on a computer doesn't produce those things. I need to wear gloves. And, uh, you know, some of you guys, you know, don't need to wear gloves. You can stick yourself. I, I don't know. Anyway. Um, but, and I do. But what about our hearts? What about our hearts? Some of us who are parents or some of you are preparing to be a parent, uh, maybe this would be some good training. This is the idea of building up calluses. Ah, I, I, 
Look at that guy, he knows. Amazing. Problem, all it takes is one Barbie shoe. We were talking about this earlier. I had that happen, Barbie shoe, the heel is stuck in my foot. It's in there, I have to yank it out. The screams and colorful metaphors that come to mind of when that happens. I have to be honest with you. Now, someday we'll have grandchildren. They'll do that kind of thing. But anyway, but that can happen to our heart. We can build calluses on our, on our hearts so we just don't feel God touching our hearts. We need soft hearts. We need to work hard at keeping soft hearts. It doesn't happen by accident. So this idea of Knowing what they were thinking, Jesus said to them, why all the fussing over forgetting to bring the bread? You may remember this. They had this, done this miracle bread. They're in the boat, and all of a sudden they realize that nobody brought lunch, even though they had all this bread. Uh, do not see or understand what I said to you. Are your hearts still hard? Jesus goes on, you have good eyes, yet you still don't see, and you have good ears, and yet you still do not hear. Neither do you remember when I multiplied the bread to feed more than 5,000 people. How many baskets full of leftovers did you gather afterwards? Twelve, they replied. And they're thinking there was 12 baskets left over and we didn't bring them. And they're like, why didn't we do that? Idiots, idiots. They're thinking that. And Jesus is like, no, it's not about that. If I could do that then, why are you worried about food now? I made all that food, fed 5,000 people, 12 baskets left over, and now we're in the boat and we don't have any food. Don't you think I can take care of the food need? They weren't even thinking that. They're, they're, they just didn't see it. Their, head, their hearts were hard. Sometimes that takes place in our lives. God's just done this thing over here. I'm not talking about living foolish um, irresponsible lives but God's just done this over here maybe in our life or maybe in somebody else's life and now we're kind of in another situation that has some similarities to it and we don't even think that the same God that did the deliverance over here came to the rescue over here could come to rescue in my life now hard hearts sometimes we're not aware of his presence because he just wants us to draw closer Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I tell you, that's the only redeeming thing when Cindy goes away. Or when I was going to, call, going to, to graduate school and I had to fly to Chicago or Florida for a week. And uh, the, the only thing that was good about that is it just made me remember how much I missed Cindy. The kids somewhat, but Cindy I missed. <laughs> Didn't have to dodge Legos and such. But anyway. And two of them are here today, so i got to be careful. But anyway, um, but the whole idea of, you know, it, that, that, that's true. And sometimes God wants to whet our appetite. Don't take them for granted. Some of us have spouses that we start to take for granted, and they don't like it. God doesn't like it either. It's not that he needs it, but he knows for the well-being of our soul and our heart, we shouldn't take him for granted. 
God wants people to look for him. And perhaps in searching all around for him, they will find him. But he's not far from any of us. You know, there's a day where we start off growing in our relationship with God, and the little verse, the little prayer, that does it. But then there's another day that comes where that doesn't do it. That, that, that simple prayer and verse on the run took us, took care of us, fed our soul for the age our soul was in the sense. But as time goes on, we should desire the finer things. I know when I was growing up, uh, mom would, it was a special night for us when mom would make Kraft macaroni and cheese and hot dogs and if they're very good, they get cut up and thrown in the, the macaroni and you know, very healthy meal. I think there might have been a frozen bean around there somewhere to make her feel okay about giving it to us, but it, we, we really loved that. But then one day, I think it was actually my 20s, I discovered homemade macaroni and cheese. She was feeding us garbage. Shame on you. Mother's Day off for you, Myrna Spencer. But, uh, you know, that's what, I mean, and then I discovered homemade macaroni and cheese takes work. I mean, mean, you really got to put it together and, you know, put a little cream cheese in there, a little sour cream in there, a lot of, oh, yeah. Yeah, Chet, yeah, but no Velveeta, none of that. I mean, just, you know, that is the good stuff. And now I can't even look at homemade, I mean, the, the box stuff. I don't want it. I don't want it. smells bad. It stains everything. I don't want it. There should be a change. When it comes to your appetite for the word of God, you should move from boxed macaroni and cheese, even craft, because sometimes mom would find these no-name brands for sale. They were even worse. But anyway, uh, but, you know, because they were cheaper. But, um, and then you get the, you, you should want the real stuff, the better stuff. And that's not because there's levels and all. It was just, just your appetites get sophisticated. And macaroni and cheese made homemade. Uh, taste, taste race Hunt's macaroni and cheese, anywhere in real heaven. So, so you, you know, so your appetites change, and that's the way your walk with God is. So sometimes closeness seems a little elusiveness because you haven't taken your next refinement in your consuming and tasting him and tasting that he's good. You need to take it to the next place, up your appetite game when it comes to those things. And, you know, you know this, just because God feels distance doesn't mean that God is absent. Doesn't mean that. We've talked about this again at Christmas time a lot of times. Just because God's silent doesn't mean he's still. So maybe not over fixating on the feeling of presence. Not that feelings aren't bad, but experiencing God and see the places that you are actually experiencing God and there is no feeling and that's okay. Like the sunset, sunrise, like just how your body works. And uh, you just go, wow, I'm experiencing the ripple effects of God holding the planet together, holding my life together, holding my relationships together, working in my kids' lives, even though I don't feel that necessarily. But I'm just, I, I'm, I'm experiencing these ripples of him working, and that is more than enough. Actually, I, I would rather uh, see that kind of thing going on than have goosebumps every time I sing a song on a Sunday morning. 
you know, I like that a little bit, but I like experiencing the ripple effect of him working in and through and around me. Psalm 40 says, I waited and waited and waited for God. At last, he looked. Finally, he listened. Now, we know that's not really true. David is saying, I feel like he finally looked. I feel like he finally listened. God is always listening. It's not like he's on vacation someplace and his cell phone's turned off. He is listening to you. It just felt from David's perspective that he wasn't. Then he lifts me out of the ditch, pulls me from the deep mud, the deep mud of the soul. He stood me on a solid rock. We would say that's Jesus. To make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song. There's joy in my heart. A praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. Blessed are you who give yourself over to God. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing. In other words, all those things in the world that people say are their answers to life, you say they're not my answers to life. I may enjoy them, may be a part of my life, but Jesus himself, God, is the answer to my life. I ignore what the world worships. And then we start to process through this idea of I want to believe, but I'm not feeling it. And we say feelings, feeling it might be icing on the cake, but it's not the substance of the cake. As a kid, I used to love eating icing. I loved to skip the cake. My father, my grandfather had access to a, a Dunkin' Donuts had access to Dunkin' Donuts five-gallon pails of the, the, the filling. And this was before you could buy them, before Lowe's and Home Depot. So these five-gallon piles were like gold, right? Everyone wanted them, and you could get them from the filling. And so Grandpa somehow had access connection, and he would bring home some of these and put the lid on them. And they didn't spend the time to, like, scrape every nook and cranny out of these things. And so when I'd go down to visit my grandpa, sometimes he would say, hey, go to the back room. I think there's a lemon bucket back there. And I'd pop that lemon bucket up there. And just, you know, eventually when no one's looking, stick my finger in and that thing was as clean as it could be. And then I was as sick as I could be because a lot of lemon filling is not good for you. It's time that you and I move beyond just the lemon filling. We need the, the meat, the substance, whatever that may be. Uh, God offers us that, and that blows away feelings. Feelings are good. I don't want to totally blow them out, but it blows out because we experience God. See, our bottom line today is going to come from Hebrews 13.5, and it's this. I will never leave you alone. Never. I will never loosen my grip If you've said yes to Jesus, if you've entered into relationship with Jesus and with God through Jesus, and the Holy Spirit joins your life, you're connected with God, He's you're never alone, whether you feel it or not. You're always in the wake of his experiencing him. He'll never loosen his grip on us. So when you think of, I want to believe, but I don't feel it, you can take that one 
off your list and know that he'll never leave you. He's always with you. And when you and I don't feel it, it's because he's getting ready to do something new in our hearts, in our souls, in our lives. Because he never lets him go quick. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you. We thank you that you never lessen your grip on us. And Father, I would ask if there's anyone here who's never said yes to you, they've never placed their trust in you, that they will do that. They will know that you died on the cross for their sins. There needs to be no disconnection between you because of the work of Christ. Christ uh, let himself be forsaken for a while so we would not be. We thank you for that. And I ask that a person here might say yes to you and begin that relationship with you. And for those of us who have known you for a little while, a long while, help us to live in the wake of experiencing you. And we experience you in so many ways if we just open up our eyes, soften our hearts. Help us not just to go for the icing, the candy, but go for the substance of knowing you and walking with you. How exciting. We pray that that joy, that melody in our heart, that used to be a song we used to sing, in my heart there rings a melody. We would ask that in our hearts there would ring a melody because we know Jesus and we know you know us. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.